0: Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're stoked to have Text Talks styled by Ray Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. Ray Ban is your reflection in the mirror of your truest self. It's the shade on a hot summer's day. It's your own focus, regardless of any spotlight that may be on you. Together, Text Talks and Ray Ban are saying, you've got a challenge for us. No matter what it is, you're on. You can't predict the light, but with Tech and Ray-Ban, you're always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. Follow the light at www.rayban.com. And Welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex and today I am talking to the one-man boy band whose heartfelt pop bangers have turned him into an international internet megastar, racking up billions of streams courtesy of mammoth collaborations with BTS, Laney, Troye Sivan and a whole bunch more. With a knack for tapping into issues that plague a new generation who are learning how to deal with the trappings of social media and the concept of loneliness, He expresses his feelings both eloquently and thoughtfully through a barrage of chart-topping, platinum-selling singles, and that culminated in the release of his picture-perfect, pop-rooted debut album in 2020, a year where, let's be honest, we could all use a little bit of reprieve. I'm, of course, talking about Ari Leff, better known to all of us as Love. Ari, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: That was a beautiful intro. Thank you so much. I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm good. It's only a pleasure. We like to make our guests feel very comfortable here on text Talks.
1: <laughs> mm, thank you.
0: Where, um, where in the world are you right now?
1: I'm uh, in my house in Los Angeles. California, California, California. Just getting my, my day started.
0: And so it should be 10 o'clock in the morning there? exactly yeah and um how how are things going with the pandemic because here it's sort of oh, we're just kicking off into our second wave and it's not exactly uh, <laughs> you know maybe we've had better days but how are things going there in LA
1: yeah it's starting to spike up a little bit again here in LA um so yeah it's definitely a bit scary I was hoping mm. to see my family for Thanksgiving, but I don't know if that's going to be happening, so.
0: I actually, uh, I live in Johannesburg in South Africa, and I hadn't seen my parents for seven months. They live in Cape Town. Um, mm. But I, I decided to risk it and, and, and take a road trip, and I think it was very sneaky and very naughty of me. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it paid off because after seven months of not seeing them. So, I, I, you know, I can't imagine over the holidays not, not seeing your family. Um, I
1: know. It's definitely sad.
0: But, I mean, you are, you're a proudly independent artist, but how much did you and your team have to change and move things around after you released your debut album back in March? I think it was because I'm assuming you, you couldn't do the stereotypical album launch, you know, type and tour.
1: Yeah, we couldn't really. I mean, I, I, you know, luckily I had some promo and some stuff. I was kind of traveling right before the album came out as you know covid was like people were starting to talk about it more and more but nobody really knew how serious it was mm. and then it was like the album came out and i was about to go on tour and do all this crazy stuff and then it was like never mind like everything's got to be canceled and it was like every day like you're you're kind of like okay how long is this going to last like do we really have to cancel the rest of the year like what's going on and then every day it was just like nope yeah it's getting worse got to cancel so it was very strange
0: and you're i mean you're incredibly the, the album is phenomenal by the way um thank you. i just i just want to say that i'm i'm also a huge fan so having you on text talks is a it's a huge honor for for me and for all of us Aww, but thank you. No, it's a pleasure but you're you're a very very long way from your myspace days where you first started um, oh
1: yeah still <laughs> MySpace tattoo, though. do you
0: have a myspace behind your ear
1: yeah right behind my ear yeah
0: so <laughs> did you get did you get it done to sort of commemorate those days?
1: Yeah. I I don't even know exactly what I was thinking. I just thought it would be really funny because that was like when I first started releasing music as a kid and playing in bands and stuff. We would all put our music we would put our music up on MySpace and like friend request people and like it was all this like like for like, comment for comment, like trying to get people to buy your music and it kinda worked and um you know, well it's for somebody who was like fourteen. Yeah.
0: I was going to, I was going to ask how, how old were you around about that time? But when you think back on those years, how, what are the sort of feelings that it evokes?
1: Honestly, so much fun. Like, like that was like my obsession. Like I, I grew up skateboarding and then I was always playing music, but it didn't really get serious for me until I was like 12. And then I just started writing so many songs and all of that. And then once I kind of discovered the world of MySpace and like making your own profiles and like uploading your music and all of that and then booking your own tours like that became like my full-on obsession in life like I like barely paid attention in school I would go to school and be like thinking about like internet strategy for for my, <laughs> my band back then
0: and I mean a lot of the songs that you wrote at that time were about heartbreak I mean what what, what does a 14 year old kid like know about heartbreak where does he find know. where, do you, where I, do you find the inspiration to write songs like that
1: To be honest, I have no idea because I went back the other day and listened to one of my very first songs I ever wrote ever. Um, I was like probably 12, and it was about being cheated on. I was like 12 years old writing a song about being cheated on. I'm like, where does that come from? Like, what is that?
0: Well, I mean, my grandmother basically raised me and she forced me to watch telenovelas. So that was like my, my own, like my first real perception of like heartbreak and cheating and stuff.
1: So
0: (laughs) I don't know. Um, But uh, one, one final question about that time in your life, because I can't resist. One of your songs, Wishful Thinking is about you being upset because your career hadn't taken off yet and you were were like 15 like were you you like genuinely upset that you hadn't made it big yet
1: (laughs) I'm an impatient person I have to work on that I was like because I was watching like you know friends around me and artists I look up to like blowing up like like what I perceive to be to such huge levels and I would go see them you know they're on tour and I would be playing to like you know like 50 to 100 people and they'd be playing to like 500 to a thousand people and i'd be like why can't i be doing it like i was such a little like i don't know it was so stupid but it was yeah it was real for me
0: who were some of those artists that you were going to watch are they still around
1: uh, I was like never shout never the ready set okay. a rocket to the moon like a lot of yeah like stuff like that
0: okay so now i'm fast forwarding to your studies but you studied music at um nyu
1: greatest city in the whole
0: world what was it like being a student in one of the greatest cities in the world like living your best new york city life
1: honestly I, that time was crazy it was so much fun i mean you don't it's like some of the best times in your life you don't realize how amazing they are until they're until you've experienced them and i mean to be able to go to school in new york city and to have never lived there before and to go to a school like NYU, which i'm really lucky and fortunate that i was able to go there and um Yeah, it was just tons of fun. I feel like that's really where I kind of figured at least the first real version of myself out. You know, like as a kid, I don't even know what I was, but, you know, being 18 and moving to New York and kind of figuring out independently, like musically, my style and everything like that and and who I wanted to be, that was such a rewarding time. So
0: what influences were you drawing from when you were starting to make music during those years?
1: i when I first got to NYU I thought I wanted to be a dJ, so I was like making like electronic music and listening to a lot of stuff like that um, and I was making remixes. but then I kind of I don't know just I listened to so many different types of music over the years that it kind of just evolved and I let it go where it went. and I remember somebody who really inspired me was Sam Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they really inspired me a lot.
0: And then was it around about that time that you were interning um, at at a, a studio while you were studying? And I read that like one of your your regular tasks involved daily food runs for people yes. who were recording there. So like Queen B and Jay Z and Timberland, which is insane. Like, yeah, what it is was crazy? I mean, like, what does Beyonce even eat? But but also, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like, yeah, I just remember it was like a lot of very specific. Um, like it would be like um four fiji waters 200 milliliters room temperature and then four fiji waters you know half a liter cold and that you had to get like the size right in in like you have to have the right size in the fridge and then the right size not in the fridge and you have to it, it was like very i don't know it's stuff that all makes sense but at the time i was just like wow like this is like what if i mess this up like i don't know it was funny
0: what was it like to to be around in the studio, you know, you know, while those people were recording? Did you sort of did you pick up any tricks of the trade or were you too busy like running errands?
1: Um, I didn't really get to spend much time much of any time, like actually around in the studio when the artists were there. It was more so like I would kind of help everything get ready and then it would be like they'd come in, and they're like, All right, you gotta like chill. You know what I mean? It's like mm. as an intern, you can't really like necessarily unless something naturally happens like you know be in the studio just hang in Mm.
0: and then when you release the other and it goes crazy viral what's going through your brain as you wake up each morning and you you check your phone or the computer or whatever and the streams are increasing crazy and are you nervous are you excited are you in disbelief are you like yes finally yeah
1: i was i was was freaking out i mean that was 2015 Mm. i was in europe at the time because i was doing a semester in prague um and i was just yeah i was mind blown because it was like everything that i wanted for so long was starting to happen and i was so not expecting it like i remember listening to it the the day before it came out and just being like is this really are people really gonna care and it started to like you know like it was like hype machine and a lot of blogs like that stuff started to happen and then the crazy thing was like it was always doing like well, and then like two years later, it started to really blow up. Like that was where mm. it really went nuts.
0: Yeah, and then and then 2017, two years later, when it started to blow up, um, you then score an opening slot for Ed Sheeran on his Asia tour, which is massive. Yeah. and and I think yeah, you're actually you're the second person that we've had on Text Talks who's open for Ed Sheeran because I spoke to Passenger last season. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. And he, Mike is uh, incredible. And he spoke very glowingly about Ed and how long he would known him for, but, but anyway, so you're on tour with Ed Sheeran and you step on onto stage and, you know, it's a stadium show. Like what's going through your mind just before you, you, you start.
1: Oh, my mind's probably like, I have to pee. What's going to happen? I don't know. Can I do this? No. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I think, um, Doing those shows, like meeting him for the first time, I was really nervous. I'd always heard he was super nice, and he was and is incredibly nice, so welcoming, so calming, such a vibe. Mm. So, I think after meeting him, I was way less nervous for the shows because I already felt like, you know, like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going on tour with Ed and I still haven't even met him yet, and I'm going to go on stage and like, what is he going to think of me and like all this stuff? You know, I was like, okay, like, damn, like we're already on like a good vibe. And then the stadium, like the arena and stadium shows are in, in a weird way. Once you get on stage, they're actually, they're like a lot less personal. So they're like, they're not as scary in like an intimate way. They're more like, if I get one thing wrong, then, you know, 20 to 100,000 people are going to hear that at the exact same time. That's <laughs> the so scary that. But like the actual vibe isn't as scary because it's not so personal.
0: Because <clears throat> like, yeah, I can imagine that, you know, Majority of the people who are there there to see Ed, they're there to see the headlining act. And normally, you know, not most of the time, but sometimes, you know, when someone is an opening act for somebody as big as that, you know, people are talking to their mates or getting beers, you know, during the opening act. But how do you get an audience to to pay attention to you?
1: I mean, that's exactly what I was wondering. I was like, damn, I'm about to play, and like, you know, in some of the some of the cities, there wasn't. That that many people compared to you know the full capacity, but I was lucky. I feel like the further I got into my set, like I would notice that people really were paying attention. Like I had a song, my song "Breathe." I would play that, and I would do like the whole like I would sit at the keys and then get everyone to take their cell phone lights out. That whole move, you know, everyone's got to do one song like that, <laughs> and. Um, And I could just see lights everywhere, and I was like, "Okay, people actually care enough to take their phone out and give me that like flashlight." So like, I don't know, I was I was really stoked.
0: You know, before you released the debut album um, in in March, and you were touring extensively all over the world. What what have been some of the ed the ed concerts aside? What have been some of the most memorable? gigs although yeah the ones that stand out to you for any particular reason
1: oh i mean there's been so many i mean i shot a music video in the philippines for my song sad forever at one of my shows mm. that was like my, i think my biggest show to, to date then that was crazy i mean that was so cool i love going over there um everyone's so supportive of me everyone's so supportive everywhere i've had so many different types of shows you know like um i've played in towns that are like college towns where people are going fucking crazy like like (laughs) like just nuts like the barricades like moving and like bending going nuts you know and then there's some cities i've played that are really chill and like respectful it's like every different type of vibe um but is you know like i feel like the i kind of remember the most random moments from shows like i'll remember i played a show in new york city few years ago where i remember like i just like i think my shoe came untied and i was like i'm just gonna take my shoes off and then the whole show after that i felt so like grounded which makes like so much sense Mm. but it was just so nice like there's just these little moments or you know i forget what city like falling and like smash smashing my shin like that sucked um (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean there's been so many so many unforgettable shows so i'm i'm like super i'm thankful for that
0: so you mentioned Sad Forever and I'm glad that you did because I think one of the reasons that I am a massive fan of your music is because you have a knack for writing very vulnerable, very honest songs that connect with people in a massive way. But but I can imagine that, you know, it must be it must be emotionally draining at a point to be that vulnerable at times.
1: Um So it's funny. I used to say no usually. I think, but sometimes it is because I'm starting to like. And some of the newer music I'm writing face like darker sides of me that I've never really explored. I've already, I've always kind of pushed down a little bit, and I think that's. It's actually. It's not exhausting. That wouldn't be the right word for me. It would be like it's really invigorating and exciting, but it's also kind of scary because you're like, wow, that's inside of me. Like everybody has, you know, there's this Jungian psychological concept of a shadow side. You know, everyone has the parts of them that they never want to show the world, that they always want to repress, like things that they're ashamed of, whatever. And recently in in music I haven't released yet, but I've been starting to explore that stuff and it's crazy. It feels very, it's really, really close to my heart and very intense. But it's definitely darker and something that I haven't really explored before. So that can be a little bit, you know, that can be exciting, but it's a little scary at the same time.
0: You know, depression and anxiety is something that you're also very open about. Um, something yeah. that I think you're, you're very, you're very brave in being very open about that. Um, at what point did you realize, you know, that this is what you were going through and that it, it, it it wasn't necessarily normal and that you had you know you you needed to reach out for for help
1: yeah it was like the beginning of 2019 um i i just hit this crazy rock bottom and i was just really struggling like every single day like to get out of bed and like do anything to make music to have normal conversation with a human to literally do anything and i think i had been kind of going downhill through a lot of 2018 just anxiety wise and depression wise. And I wasn't really understanding what it was. I just mm. sort of was like, why, like, why am I starting to like feel less connected to people? Why am I feeling so nervous and you know anxious like every day about like nothing? And like, why can't I focus? Why can't I follow through on my music? Why, you know, why am I sad? Like, why am I breaking down? Like, and I didn't really understand what it was until um, <clears throat> I, I'd kind of switched up my therapy situation and then found a psychiatrist. And that's when I started to get perspective, you know, professionally on what was going on. And I think that was so important, you know, to, because I kind of forget at this point what it's like to not understand anxiety and depression. To me, it's like, I mean, this is just like a daily thing for me dealing with, you know, dealing with this stuff. And back then it just said there was like no vocabulary in my mind for it. So it's like, how am I supposed to understand how to deal with it? Right.
0: Mm. So, so I mean, apart from you finding a new psychiatrist, um, what are some of the things that you do now to focus your mind or pull you out of a depressive slump if you get into one?
1: Yeah, definitely meditation's huge for me, which I'm happy to see that more and more people are meditating. Um, uh, affirmations, like I, I a lot of times when I meditate, I like to just speak positivity. Very because
0: important. when it comes
1: out of your mouth, and when you really say it from a place of love, like you mean it, it kind of for me, it retrains my mind a little bit. Um if i just think it like it's has just as much of a chance as any negative thought to mm. to stick, you know what i mean?
0: Yeah, you're like manifesting those words and putting them out into the universe. Yeah, yeah.
1: Totally. So stuff like that um you know, talking to people for sure. Um you know, making music, trying to get into any flow state, taking a walk, taking a nap. Uh obviously therapy is huge. Um Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of different stuff, but I try to remember now that if I start to go, my mind starts to kind of feel like it's going to spiral South. I just try to get present again and say, not right now. It's okay. That spiral is always going to be there. Let's just, let's just try to move on to like the next part of our day that, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. I, I have to kind of like retrain my mind to understand that just because my tendency is to want to spiral or go negative, it doesn't mean that there's a real reason to, it just means that's like how my brain is trained right now. So I just have to have the strength this one time to tell myself to not go down that hole. And then the next time it comes up, just that one time have the strength to not go down that hole. And then suddenly you have a string of just that one time that you didn't go down the hole. And I think it becomes easier and easier, you know?
0: A hundred percent. You also set up a foundation called the blue boy foundation, something that you and your family, um, set up to collect money to donate towards organizations that work for mental health. Tell me a yes. little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So I made that foundation really like the original reason was because of sad forever. I, I was like, I want to take the proceeds from the song and be able to bring funds to different organizations that are working in the field of mental health and so the way to do that was to start the foundation and from there it kind of grew we did that with like you know other acoustic versions some merch whatever and then started hosting like little panels where we discuss you know with other artists and other professionals different experiences and stories related to people's mental health journeys and it's something that i just wanted to kind of go further and further into and to to develop and to I don't know. I just I think my favorite part of all of it really is the conversation part because I just love like open dialogue about this kind of stuff. It's just so beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. So I want to figure out how to like encourage more of that type of a vibe with the foundation.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned open dialogue, and I was thinking about this today, and I feel like the climate of the music landscape now globally has changed, and a whole lot of newer artists are being. Like much more open and honest about their struggles, especially when it comes to mental health like would yeah. you would you say that that there are more musicians now who are more prone to dealing with these kinds of issues in their music because it's been more it's been more normalized to talk about it now
1: yeah, I mean I would wonder I mean I would imagine that people have been I mean, obviously feeling this for forever, but mm. I wonder if in today's world I think it must be worse. You know, based on the way that we live and some of the pressures and the craziness of life as society progresses. But yeah, I mean, I feel like probably it's different in music now because people actually have a vocabulary understanding, you know, the difference between just like, oh, I'm sad right now and like, damn, like I am depressed or like I'm, you know what I mean? But I think it's always been there. I mean, artists over you know there's been plenty of legendary artists who have done things like taking their lives and stuff and mm-hmm. you know i think that's coming from a place of severe mental distress so um i'm just glad that people you know there's better ways to deal with it right now
0: 100 percent. so i want to ask you about the album cover because you have one main love, and then you have six mini little loves climbing all over you. <laughs> and, and each is a different color, and each represents a different emotional alter ego. What does each color represent? Tell me. I've always wanted to ask you this.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, let's see. It's been a while since someone asked me to go through this. So we got, once I can do it in the right order, purple is existential. So it's like the part of me that, you know, I mean, I think, you know, existential means just like I question mm-hmm. everything kind of down gets stuck in his head that kind of vibe blue is hopeless romantic which is like um really he has a wig of my old hair from like you know 2017 or something that was sort of it's sort of making fun of like the old me which is always a part of me the part of me that everyone has it's like obsessed with love and like sort of yeah it's like a little bit hopeless and a little it's like a little bit delusional about how love really is and just always so it's always such a fantasy and blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, love obsessed. And then what is it? I think it's green, which is goofy. Just like the part of me. That's a fucking weirdo. Just super (laughs) wacky. Like, ah, I'm I'm actually,
0: I'm actually looking at the artwork now. And yeah, the, the one where Hmm. you're wearing green pants, you've got your arms outstretched in front of you. You're like, woo.
1: Yeah, just whimsic. I don't even know the word for it. This is (laughs) weird though. And then yellow, which is super positive. That was like the part of me like that has actually developed more recently. The part of me that's like into meditation, into trying to exude positive energy and and put that out into the world. And um, they're all a little bit like funny. Like they're all a little bit overboard on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there is orange, which is, I don't know if this term is like relevant um where you are but this fuck boy I don't know yeah, this it's definitely relevant where we are <laughs> okay like, okay so everybody knows what that is uh, like, i definitely wow.
0: know what that is
1: yeah <laughs> yeah that vibe and then the red is spicy which is just like you know passion hot-headed just kind of yeah um it's so funny we like shot a whole series like a little mini series of like the one-man boy band that was crazy
0: that's amazing. I love that. <laughs> and oh. then, and then in terms of all the collabs, I mean, I'm also, I'm a very, very big Laney fan. So, and Mean yeah. It, you released last day on the 14th of November, which was my birthday as well. So that was like.
1: Oh, happy belated.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, so that was a super great birthday treat for me. Um, but how did the BTS collab come about? Because obviously, I mean, I I know that there's a story behind that because they're they're just I mean, the whole hype and vibe around them is just phenomenal. And their their trajectory to, I mean, becoming one of the, the biggest boy bands in the world is just crazy. And that song is amazing. So tell me how that came about.
1: Yeah, I'm, I was super not expecting that to actually happen. It was like I met them at their show in London. And um, yeah, like uh, they had posted some covers there had been some videos posted of like from a live stream of um, them singing some of my songs. It was just so, so crazy. And I got a chance to meet them. And they were just super sweet. Um, it was like right before they went on stage, just like real quick. And right after meeting them, they um, asked me to do the remix for Make It Right. Mm-hmm. You know, their song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, of course. I'd love to do that. I recorded it probably like the next day in London. And then I was like, it would be really cool to get them on my album. So then I sent them the demo for the song Who and they loved it, recorded their parts and sent it over. It was like super easy. Um, yeah. And it's still really crazy to think that that actually happened. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's nuts.
0: No, it's it, it, crazy and such a great song as well. Um, but but the album is such a great mix of like serious, but also, you know, fun songs and um I mean that's the energy that I'm getting. But one of the tracks that I've I've wanted to ask you about is if I'm pronouncing this wrong, please please correct me. But El Tejano,
1: uh, El Tejano,
0: Tejano. Okay, okay. Yeah. Which which is about your favorite bar in LA. But like, what <laughs> makes this bar? Is it your favorite bar in LA?
1: It's definitely one of them. Yeah. What makes it so special? Um, I think it was just like well, a few things. One is it's super not LA. So like when I moved to LA, I was like, I was unsure of LA when I first moved here. It's super, it's like Tex-Mex, like very chill vibes. Like they got cornhole, they got massive tic-tac-toe, they have margaritas the size of your head. They got (laughs) like, you know, good fish tacos, just like very kind of down to earth, gets a little rowdy vibe. Um, And I would just go there. Yeah. Like before I knew a lot of places in LA, me and my friends would just go there. A lot you know we would sometimes go like two or three times in a week and so i just had a lot of like whatever yeah memories there so me and my friends always joke about making a song about it like always for probably like two years and then one day like we were in the studio and someone was playing the guitar and they started playing those kind of those chords and we were like oh my god this is the perfect time
0: and then another one of your tracks and probably the most different, but one I really like is Billy, which is about ah, a yes. super adorable Pomeranian. And then yeah. like, then then the video of you playing with Billy and Billy is running all over the place and running off screen and stuff. And, um, yeah. I, I mean, is, is he, I, I, I'm assuming cause my, I've got a half Pomeranian he's a street dog. Oh, I adopted dude. him seven years ago and he's like my world. um, And I'm I'm assuming that that Billy is also very close to you.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, We share the bed every night unless he unless he goes and he wants to sleep in my sister's room. Then sometimes he does that. But very close. I love the boy so much. Uh, I thought he was right next to me right now during the interview, but he must have ran upstairs somewhere. And
0: do you do you have his name tattooed on your arm as well?
1: I don't have his name, but I have a, I have him. I got literally, oh. I have like a drawing of him tattooed on my left bicep.
0: <laughs> oh, my, I've got my, my, my dog's face on my forearm. So oh, beautiful. <laughs> no, listen, dog lovers unite. They're, the, they're yes. the best.
1: His birthday is in a oh. few days too. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: How old is he turning?
1: Two years old. Still oh, younger. wow.
0: He's still young.
1: Yeah. Very young. Mine's eight. So, Aww. Yeah,
0: still young, still yeah, young, yeah, still young, still young, still very naughty. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so so that. naughty. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I another one of the tracks on the album "Tattoos Together." Yeah. Um, and we've been talking a lot about tattoos on this podcast, but but you know, it's it's about how you get matching tattoos with someone, you know, a significant your significant other, and then you go your separate ways. But that's yeah. actually not what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the video that you released for hit. And then the internet went off at you because they thought that you were copying the
1: 1975.
0: And yeah. And not at all. And then you reached out to Matt Healy and you apologized Cause you genuinely had no idea. And his response was yeah. like, your mom's a ho lol bro. Be honest. I like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. It was he was so chill. He's so chill. He- I can't remember if that, that part of the text, there was like another part. I don't know if it showed up, but he was just like, bro, like, I don't give a fuck. Like we all like, we all love music. Like it's all good. Like, you know, cause I, I woke up to like people texting me about it and I was like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand what's going on. And then I saw a video and I was like, Oh my God. Like I can't even front. Like this is so similar, you know, like it just was, you know? And I was like, people like, you know, don't say anything. I was just like, nah, like I don't have anything. It would be one thing if I had like done it and been like, oh, maybe no one will notice. I just literally had no idea. So I was like, (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. And luckily I had his number and and I hit him up and he was chill about it. And um, yeah, I mean, I could still laugh about it to this day, you know. Um, so,
0: so are you guys
1: the, the cheating part at the end? At least that there was something different. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but are you guys mates now? And and can we expect a collab between you like to any time soon? Because that oh, would God. be incredible.
1: I mean, that would that would just be a dream. Yeah, that would be an absolute dream. I mean, I've been a massive 1975 fan for I don't know six years or something. Yeah, okay. so I would I would love that. They be, are
0: They yeah. are absolutely phenomenal. and they actually came to South Africa last year. They headlined one of our biggest festivals, um, Rocking oh, so. the Daisies. Yeah, so. yeah, and then I saw them at uh, Rockin Park as well in in Berlin, and it was just it was crazy. Like to see that album live was just, yeah, yeah, a whole nother vibe. Um, yeah. And then your latest single Fake with Conan Gray. Talk to me yeah. about that. Talk to me about the end of the video as well, because it's very like bright and colorful, and I dig yes. it. Yes.
1: <clears throat> well, me and Conan wrote that song the first time we met, which was really cool. We had been talking on the internet, you know, and we Facetimed. We we're like, we should make a song, and um, came over, and I don't know. We were just both talking about people in our lives who like I'm like never the person to call people out because I'm just uh for lack of a better way to say this i'm just a little bitch <laughs> <laughs> um no but i yeah i don't know and and um yeah we were just talking about people who like yeah like that we both know who feel like act, you know say one thing and then act totally differently and i think we were both a little frustrated and they were like let's just make a fun song about it and then yeah it just kind of happened pretty quickly and um conan's amazing to work with he's so talented so fun so sassy um yeah so sick so i was really excited how the song turned out
0: yeah no he's incredible an incredible talent definitely on the up as well yeah but i mean you know lockdown hasn't been easy pandemic 2020 it's been rough what have been some of the things that you've been doing to unplug to take time for you? Because I mean, a lot of people, you know, it's all about the, it's all about the hustle. It's all about staying on the grind. And I know that you've had an album to promote and, you know, you have been releasing singles, but what have you been doing for yourself to unplug?
1: As you've been saying this, I've been like racking my brain, trying to think of what I've done. (laughs) Unplug. I don't know. Does watching TV count or no? Definitely. Okay, cool. So watching a little bit of TV, hanging with Billy, I don't know, going on drives. I actually went to Arizona to a therapy retreat. That was really nice. That was a while ago. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Stuff like that. Nothing. I'm not very good at unplugging. Not very good at it.
0: Well, the therapy retreat sounds interesting. Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, it was just basically... um, a very very small because of COVID group therapy retreat where they keep everybody separated and all that, which is very interesting. Um, <clears throat> just like a place to work out some of your stuff um, with in the presence of other people, because that can be. Um, I found it to be yeah really like freeing because it mm-hmm. requires you to be vulnerable not just in front of yourself and your therapist but in front of other people, which takes a lot of bravery and. And when everybody's doing that in front of each other, there's a lot of like mutual love and respect and mm. and bonding that happens. Um, <clears throat> so it was really nice. There was a, there was like a little Tai Chi vibe going. There was some yoga. There was you know I was eating healthy every morning for breakfast, which I don't do usually. Um, what was, do you normally have really like, for breakfast? Uh, this morning I had leftover pad thai. <laughs> I had
0: a, I had a leftover two leftover slices of pizza, so I feel you. Oh uh,
1: nice. Yeah. There I was eating like <laughs> yogurt, granola, berries kind of vibe.
0: But was it good for you? Oh the it was returned? great.
1: It was great. I would I'm I'm, you know, I'm so I'm like too emotionally sensitive to the point where I'm like, it's too much, but you know, it's nice to to be able to go do something like that. And it's really important for me, really, really important for me. So.
0: And what else do you have in the pipeline at the moment that you can talk about? What else Hmm. are you working on?
1: Um, I'm working on my next album, which is going to be very, very crazy. I'm really, really excited about it. It's super, it's a big, big kind of jump for me exploration wise. I mean, it's always going to sound like me. I think it even sounds more like me than some of the music I put out in my last album in a weird way. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think it will when it comes out, but just the side of me that I haven't often explored. So I'm really excited about that. I'm just taking my time on that. I don't know. I'm trying to keep it pretty simple, you know, just really focus on the music and getting myself into a good place and just Trying to be present and enjoy life,
0: yeah. Well, focusing on the music and trying to get yourself into a good place is, I think, the best place to be, especially during yeah. like very weird, uncertain times like this. You know, just to center yeah. yourself. No, for sure. But Ari, I just uh, wanted to say thank you very much for for joining me today on Text Talks. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor, and I am a gigantic oh, thank fan. You and i cannot wait now that you've told me that there's a new album in the pipeline um i can't yeah i can't wait to to hear a little little bits of it and and hopefully when it when it is released you can come back and we can do a a part
1: two I would love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's only a pleasure. You and your friends, you live on the surface. Act like you're perfect. Everyone knows you're just like everyone else. Except for you're better at taking photos. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Why well, you gotta make everything show? uh oh, oh, oh. My phone Calling me up when you're getting drunk You say you're in love, but what do you mean? Cause when you wake up, you blame it on drugs And then we break up, you lie through your teeth You just wanna play little games for attention You just wanna play little games for attention Telling me your perfect lies And wasting all my time cause you're so fucking fake. fake
0: To love for joining us in studio. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. Be sure to check out texttalks.com for more episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox, or listen to Text Talks on all good streaming platforms. Also, a huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store, for being the most incredible technical supplier. From myself, Tex, our producers, Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz, and our research assistant, Al Clapper, catch you on the flip side.